And now we have GPSs that tell us where to go. And if it's like ours, it changes its mind four or five times after you head one way of where you're going. But sometimes we as Christians live that same kind of way when it comes to the matter of making choices and making decisions. And I want us to look tonight in a different way possibly than you've looked before from this passage on some principles that God's Word gives to us about making choices when it comes to making decisions. Sometimes we say, I just can't make a decision. I don't know how to make a decision right now. How many people can you think of that you've witnessed to? And they say, well, I'm not ready or not right now. I'm not sure it's the time right now. And I want us to come to understand that we make a decision every time we're confronted, whether it's a thought or an action or an open choice. We make a decision. There's no such thing as I'm just going to let it wait. That's making a decision. Regarding salvation, it means no, and it means the heart's going to be hardened a little bit more till the next time. And I want us to look at some principles here tonight. Sometimes uh, confusion and uh, inability comes into our life because of being double-minded as Christians or because of a sense of guilt, something in our lives. And we want us to look tonight at how we can have an assurance step-by-step in the matter of making decisions. We know that Joshua said here, as for me and my house, uh, we will serve the Lord. And he said, choose you this day whom you will serve. Well, it's really principles that go across the board for any decision we're making. And the first principle I want us to look at tonight is the matter of we have to know who God is, knowing, and with that means remembering who God is. And as we read through the first portion of this chapter, which we're not going to take the time to read tonight, it's very obvious because Joshua was going back to before Abraham left from Terah, how Abraham followed God, how God worked step by step along the way. But it's reminding the people of Israel who God is. And he's really reminding them in a way to bring them to a personal relationship, remind them of the personal relationship of who God is. As we look at that point, though, we need to stop and think of the truth. Not everybody that says they know the Lord, know the Lord as a matter of salvation with a personal relationship. Jesus said in Matthew 7, that not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of God, my, doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? In thy name have cast out devils, and thy name have done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. And that's true today. That probably the multitude of those that say they know the Lord do not know him through salvation, do not have that personal relationship. If they do not know him, there's going to be a continual confusion because there's always something better, something new to look at. It's one of the reasons there's so much instability in so many churches. They're looking for a new way and a better way to do things instead of looking to walk step by step in obedience in the light of God's word. And when they do one thing, however they bring somebody in, that's how they're going to keep them. So they're going to start compromising other things, and then that gets old and tiring, and they're looking for something else to bring in. And then that gets old and tiring. So it's a matter of knowing God, and Joshua took time before he brought them to that point, that confrontation, saying, choose you this day whom you will serve. 
he took that time to rehearse before them who God is. The second aspect that parallels with that is that we must know God's word. We cannot know God without knowing God's word. That's the only way that we can know God, the only way that we can know who he is, that we can know his attributes, that we can know his desires, that we can know his will. Actually, it's the only way that we can know who we are is through knowing the word of God. If you take just a couple of minutes uh, to flip back to the beginning of the chapter, there's one point I want us to look at that he developed coming up to this point. We're not going to go into it in depth, but the principle that is here. In verse 3, he said, this was Joshua speaking for the Lord. So when I say I, it's really the Lord was speaking to them. In verse 3, and I took your father Abraham and led him and gave him. Notice the focus there of what God was teaching to these people now generations later. I am the one that provided these things that I took Abraham and led him and gave him. And then verse 4, and I gave unto Isaac, and I gave unto Esau. Verse 5, I sent Moses, I plagued Egypt, I did among them, I brought you out. Verse 6, I brought your fathers out. Verse 7, I have done in Egypt. Verse 8, and I brought you into the land. Verse 9, and I gave them into your hand, and I destroyed them from before you. Verse 10, but I would not hearken unto Balaam, so I delivered you. Verse 12, and I sent the hornet. And verse 13, and I have given you a land for which he did not labor. Notice the focus all of the way through of what God had done for the people, what God had done for Israel from the very beginning to choose them, to elect them, to choose Abraham for his chosen race, and then those that came on after him, what God had done. It was knowing God's word. But as we look at that principle of knowing God's word, it was all of what God had done. Not once was there a mention of Israel's rebellion and sin, was there? They sinned plenty of times, didn't they? They rebelled plenty of times against God. But as God was dealing with them, bringing them this point of making a choice, of making a decision, the focus was on the word of God of what he had done for them. And it really gives us an important aspect in our own lives in the matter of making decisions and choosing things. So often we get caught up in a sense of guilt. We remember something from the past. If it's under the blood, if it's been repented of, God said it's removed as far as the east is from the west. doesn't matter what GPS unit you pick up. It can't meet. It's not going to come back together again. But when we come to those points of thinking of, but this was in my past, or I did this in my past, or this in my past, that's not of God. And it's going to create confusion in being able to make a decision. It creates a bondage that we're unable to make wise choices. So here again, we come back to the matter of making choices. When those thoughts start coming into mind, what's the first thing we need to do? That's not of God. Go back to the Word of God. That's under the blood, and I'm going forward. So we need to know God, and we need to know the Word of God, the first principle that we see here. The second principle I want us to look at is the application 
when we hear God's word, the application. And here again, the critical part is God's word. How many, don't raise your hand. Don't even nod your head. How many of you have bought some sort of self-help books? It might say, well, it's a Christian book. It was by a Christian author. It tells me how I can manage my day better, or how I can do this better, how I can do that better. I'm not saying they're all wrong, but where is our focus? Is it on the Word of God? Or do we get to the point that we're talking about more about so-and-so said this, and so-and-so said this, and so-and-so said this? Because if we are, we've gotten away from the Word of God and we're following what men are saying. And then we have to wonder, well, and what, I, what I'm applying, is that a principle of God's Word? Because that's immovable. Or is it a principle that I was taught by somebody else that has some flexibility that can fall apart? In verse uh, 15, Joshua said, Choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. Notice that it was brought to a point, now it's time to make an application. It's time to make a decision. You have to choose. And it's a matter of choose God or whether you're going to choose the other side. There's a saying, a quote that I read years and years ago, only two choices on the shelf, pleasing God or pleasing self. You may have heard that before. And that's really what Joshua has brought right here. Choosing God is obedience. Pleasing self, what is that? That's disobedience, which is better known as sin, whether we would like to use the word or not for it. It means sin. So Joshua brought them to the point uh, that you have to choose. Do you understand that throughout the day, you're brought to the point of making decisions? You have to choose. You have to make a decision. You can't just let it slide along. There's a decision that's going to be made in this. Notice the timing on it. Choose you this day. It's an immediate thing that he's talking about. As we consider that fact, I want you to stop and think for a minute. I am not saying that it's wrong to say, I need to pray about this. Hold your finger here, but turn to James chapter 4, if you would, please. I want to show that that's not a flaw in the principle of we're making choices when we make a choice. James chapter 4, beginning verse 13. Go to now ye that say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or do that. We understand everything has to be prefaced on that matter if it's God's will, Lord willing. But the other aspect I want to tie in here is there are times that the appropriate answer is, I need to pray on this. That's not a floating back and forth. That's not being double-minded. When is it the right time to say, I need to pray on this? It's when there's not a clear scriptural principle that I know right off. If there is a clear scriptural principle, there's nothing to pray about. 
what Joshua brought forward here was a yes-no answer. When we were here last time, I think it was our anniversary, wasn't it? 35th anniversary, it was right at our 35th anniversary. When I proposed to Jennifer, her immediate response was laying over so far on the couch laughing that she couldn't say a word. And then these big brown eyes looked up at me and said, I guess I shouldn't laugh, should I? (laughs) I said, as long as the answer's not the wrong answer or something along that line. (laughs) Um, She had prayed. She knew God's leading in the matter before I asked her to marry me. There are times, though, that we may not know the scriptural principle, a scriptural principle. Now, if you come to a point of something of making a decision and you know a scriptural principle, but it's not what you want, that doesn't give license to say, I need to pray about it. Because what you've done right then is said no to the Lord. The time you do is, we were looking for a vacuum cleaner. Rainbow salesman came to the house. They had this fantastic system for $1,000. And Benjamin had all these allergies from formaldehyde and the carpet. We were in a new house. And we needed to consider the health of our son and all this kind of stuff. And $1,000 is not that much when you're considering health. This was 20, 30 years ago, 1989, however long ago that was. And told him we needed to pray about it. Well, it's a special deal, only good. I can't give you this offer again. I said, well, there's two principles here. First of all, we're going to pray for 24 hours after we look at something like this. And secondly, I don't think it'll cost you any more tomorrow than it costs today uh, if our decision is yes that we want it. He called back the next day, and there was a used one that we got for less than half the price of what his super-duper deal was and had more of the attachments with it. Uh, And it was within budget of what we were looking for planning. That's not a wishy-washy. That's praying taking time to take the emotions out and to search the scriptures, to search your own heart, to search the situations, to seek counsel if necessary. So as we're talking about this matter of making choices, I do not want you to go out here saying that Brother Schmidt said, you have to make every decision right now. Praying about it when you do not know the scriptural principle is not, uh, that falls within this. So we have first the principle of knowing God and the word of God. Secondly, the principle of making application immediately. Don't dally about it, because the longer we dally, the longer it's going to take. The colder the asparagus gets on the plate, the worse it's going to taste. I mean, it's the basic facts of life. The third principle that Joshua has given here is he's given the tools that we need in our lives in order to be able to make decisions rightly and timely. (coughs) Excuse me. The first one tool that we see here, uh, looking down into verse 14, he said, Now therefore fear the Lord. Notice what Joshua had done up to this time, that he had given a record of God's choosing of the people, his leading, his provision, his victory, without mention of the past. And then he brought them to the fact, Now therefore fear the Lord. And this matter of fearing the Lord is walking in holiness, a life in holiness. Some say, well, it just means a reverential love for God. That is deceit. That is not what the word means at all. That's a part of what the word means. But that's not totally what the word means. 
It does mean that reverential fear for God, but it also means the fear of the holiness of God and the chastening and the judgment of God. One of the principles for learning what a word means in Scripture is looking to see where's the first time it was ever used. The first time the word used there for fear was used in Genesis 3.10 as it recorded Adam's response to God after Adam had sinned. And Adam said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Same word, I was afraid. Do you think he feared God? There was the reverential love and respect and honor for God, but there was also the fear of understanding he had sinned and that there was going to be judgment coming into his life. And those that do not walk with that reality or that fear are really flippant about the holiness of God. They're flippant about the things that they allow into their minds and that they allow themselves to do. So the first aspect to be able to be able to make decisions and choices without a lot of confusion in our life, without being double-minded, after we know God's word and know God is to fear the Lord. Do you have the fear of the Lord in your life? Or is it just uh, you've made it a casual, God's not casual, but you've made it a casual thing. Secondly, he said, and serve in sincerity and in truth. That matter of serving him in sincerity literally means to work. It's the same word that means slave, to enslave yourself, to work for him. So it means a life that you're serving the Lord. So if you know that you're not serving the Lord, do you think there's going to be confusion in making decisions and choices? Absolutely. You might deceive yourself. And say everything is going along great and fine, but wait till the hiccup comes. Wait until the tragedy comes. There's going to be no stability. There's going to be no foundation. And you're going to be floundering and wondering, how do I make the decision that I need to make right now? What do I do right now? We're praying for uh, something uh, regarding our son. And I will only go so far in what I tell him or talk to him about because I don't want him to make any decision because that's what dad said. It needs to be, he's searched through the scriptures and he knows on these principles from scripture and God's leading that this is what is right. Because when the trials come, which will come, he needs to have the stability of God, not the floundering of dad uh, to lead him along. So he said, and serve. And notice that matter of serving in sincerity and in truth. It's a, Say, well, I'm out for visitation, and I do this. You know, I'm serving God. You know, it's a daily basis if you're serving God. It's a daily basis. It's a fact of your life. It's what your life is centered around. And that matter of sincerity literally means entirely or completely, not just half-heartedly, not just when it's convenient. In sincerity and in truth or uh, in stability and certainty and the truth of God's word. Sometimes we think we're deceiving God, and all we're doing is deceiving ourselves. And we need to remind ourselves of that. There is no deceiving of God. And if we're walking in the fear of the Lord, we're going to be as the psalmist when he said, Search me, O God, and know my heart, and try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Because we want to make sure we are in that sincerity, in that truth. So the fear of the Lord, serving the Lord, 
And then notice what he said, and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt. Putting away the gods. He said, well, we don't have any gods. We don't have any idols around here. But we all have things that we bring into our lives that whether we realize it or not become our gods. And it can become so very easily. It thrills my soul to see our grandchildren wearing Clemson orange. (laughs) But I don't ever want that to become their god. I want it to be fun. Fun in the right place. And that means that there are cutoff points, very real cutoff points that are there. Uh, But there can be fun as well. And we need to be careful. Those of you that know me well, I love gardening. I love landscaping, my horticultural background. But there are cutoffs I have to make sure that I put in place. And what are the purposes for the things I do? So in your own life, it may be something that came from your parents that you love. It's not wrong, but if you prod it to the wrong point in your life, that it's become a God, it's become taking the place of what God ought to be. And then he ended that, and serve ye the Lord. So the tools that God has given to us, when we know God's word, and we're making the application, we need to make sure that we're walking with these things implemented into our lives to fear the Lord, to serve Him, and to put away anything that's going to be a distraction. We had a little 12-inch black and white TV until 1999, I think it was. And that was so we could watch the news. And the only reason we got anything after that was we had friends that had gone to Papua New Guinea, Bush as missionaries, and they were sending VCR tapes back. And Jennifer and the kids were having to come over to my office so we could watch it in the training room to see what they were doing. And we felt like the kids were old enough that we could start with disciplining them. When uh, going through the store in Sam's and they come out to try to sell you the stuff and they wanted to know who we had our cable service with. And when we told them we don't watch TV, they looked at us like, you know, what in the world or who are you? Uh, but there was a time I had to throw my little black and white TV away because I knew I didn't have the discipline. I'm not saying it's wrong to watch TV, but we need to make sure what we watch is not wrong and it doesn't end up taking up our time. But the last principle I want us to look at tonight is when a choice is made in light of these principles, knowing it's based on the principles of God's Word, no wavering, no double-mindedness. Joshua said, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There's a saying that some of you may use. I use it a number of times. What part of that do you not understand? He made a very direct statement, didn't he? What part do you not understand? We serve the Lord. When we make a decision based upon principles, we need to be as Joshua. He wasn't saying, well, if trouble comes, I might need to get this book or I might need to look at another way. We may have to go to Egypt to get help. He said, we will serve the Lord. When we make a decision based upon principles, there are going to be trials that are going to come. There are going to be challenges that are going to come. And if you allow yourself to become double-minded, if you start second-guessing, well, what if... I had done this. When we left to go to the mission field, there were people that encouraged us to not sell our house. We had built it to be our rapture home or retirement home, one or the other. 
Uh, we took a topo map to where it was where a 3,000 acre lake was going to be built that we had. It bordered us all the way around on that side. And they gave all these reasons why it would be good to not sell it. But as we prayed about it, to me, I felt like it's an escape. When we get to Canada and trials start coming, it's going to be easy to say, you know, we have a good church that has a Christian school and we have a great house. Maybe we just route, maybe we're just in emotions. We need to go back home right now. We needed to sell it that we didn't have any attachment to draw us back into that. No matter what the decisions that are made, the more serious they are, the greater the challenges that are going to be. And we need to understand when we're going step by step and we're making the decisions based upon the principles of God's Word, when those challenges come, doesn't mean it's not going to be difficult. But God gives the strength. We have the foundation that cannot be moved. And if we've done it knowing that this is the principle from God's Word, this is the portion of God's Word, and I know that I was doing it in the right way, I know that I had the right relationship with God, when those times come, we're able to stand and to go through and to come out victorious in the eyes of God and with the joy of God in our hearts and our lives. Every one of us are going to be making decisions time after time after time. And I pray that this will be a blessing and encouragement to you to encourage your heart, not only in the matter of making decisions, but to encourage your heart when the challenges come to be able to still have the joy in your heart of knowing that God is in control. Let's pray. Father, we marvel even as we look at a portion in the Old Testament such as this, that we live in a time that we have your complete revealed word that has been given to us and soundly translated into our own language. And Father, that in your word you have given us the instruction and the light for every aspect that we need as we live in this life, to be able to live in a way that would honor Thee. Father, You know the weakness of our flesh. You know the weakness of our minds. I thank You that You've told us that You'll never leave us nor forsake us. Father, I thank You that You have given us sound churches to be a part of, where we can be under the sound preaching and teaching of Thy Word but also for the fellowship with like-minded brethren to be able to encourage, to be able to exhort, but also to be able to rebuke and to reprove when needed in love to help us to grow, to help us to be able to be victorious day by day. I pray that as we've looked at these few principles tonight, I pray that they've been instructive. I pray that they would be a blessing. Father, I pray that we would be faithful. We have to purpose in our hearts. But I pray that we would be faithful to purpose in our hearts to exercise these on a continual and daily basis, that we would grow in grace and knowledge, not only for the blessing that comes from having the joy of the Lord in our heart, but, Father, that we would be a light, a testimony in this darkening day of thy greatness. In Jesus' name we thank thee and we pray. Amen.